Welcome to The Wonder of Parenting. My name is Tim Wright. I am the host of this podcast, along with my good friend, Dr. Michael Gurian. And today, we are going to turn our attention to our sons. Uh, in our last podcast, we talked a bit about our daughters and what our girls made of using brain science research and then some practical application of that research uh, to help us as we're parenting our daughters. And today we're going to take the 30,000-foot view of our boys, and we're going to look at uh, some of the uh, things in their brains that make them a bit different from their their sisters, uh, maybe some chemical differences, and then some insights into how we can use that information to raise our boys to be good men. Uh, so, Michaels, we talk about boys. Um, when when we are out speaking together, and I know when you're out speaking, you have a, this great story uh, about boys, and it's a true story that I think gives us a great entree into our discussion today about boys, and has to do with a little game some boys are playing in a basement. Yes. Yeah. So this comes from a book by the editor Kitty Harmon, and she edited a wonderful little book um, uh, called Up to No Good, The Rascally Things Boys Do. And and then there's a little subtitle way underneath, and it says, uh, as told by fine men, you know, by basically fine men. So it's it, these are all good guys, and they're looking back at their boyhoods and these crazy things they did. And so this one guy, this is his, he reports that when he was uh, a kid, he had these four friends. So the five of them would go into a, a basement where they could make it completely dark and uh, they would turn off the light and and they would start throwing these metal pointed darts at each other. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're throwing the darts and then you're ducking uh, and uh, you're throwing the darts and you're ducking. And uh, at one point he reported that they heard, ow! So they... They turned on the light, and there was one of the boys with a dart dangling from his cheek just below his eye. And uh, so these are like, you know, 12, 13-year-old boys. And I always I always ask the audience, I, I say, so do you think these guys stopped playing? <laughs> and, you know, everyone chuckles because they all know, no, they didn't stop playing. Uh, and the very last line of this little story is, so after that, we just wore goggles. So that was their strategy, their boy innovation. They wanted to keep throwing these metal pointed darts at each other. Uh, uh, so they wore goggles to protect their eyes. And, and it's, it is, you're right, it is, it is a very deep story, actually, because these guys all really like each other. And that's kind of one of the subtleties of male development. Um, and I think a lot of subtleties of male development are housed in this little story. Yeah, so tease out a few of those for us. I know that there's uh, something about objects moving through space. There's about the way boys bond. So what are two or three things that you can lift out of that story that can give us some insights into our sons? Yeah, the so the male brain, um, uh, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, males are doing language on the left, so they're really not doing much having to do with words on on the right. Uh, so what are they doing on the right? Well, they're doing spatial mechanicals and visual graphics. And uh, so what these are, are brain centers that are devoted toward spatials, which is objects moving through space, which a dart is, which any ball is, and which the boy himself is when he runs up against the locker or, you know, or pushes his friend against the locker, right? This is all objects moving through space. And they have a lot of centers for this over on the right. And then um, the mechanical, how things work, uh, you know, okay, if I throw this dart right below the guy's eye, but he wears goggles, hey, good, 
right? Solves that problem. So a lot of really good problem solving there uh, with mechanicals, which we can talk about more. And then the visual graphics. Uh, the reason that, that boys are so into video games is they're so visual graphic and so much of that going on on the right. So the dart story um, is especially spatial and it, it stimulates that brain. But the, you're right, the deeper level is, um, is the bonding. So what guys do is they bond using spatials. They bond using mechanicals, like like dad and son working on the car together, right? Bonding while doing something mechanical, uh, or even uh, parent and son playing video games together, bonding while doing something that's mechanical, uh, and in that case, visual graphic. So they're bonding, and and um, males will tend to use less words for their bonding than females will. Uh, guys can talk a lot, like I talk a lot, you talk a lot, right? There's a lot of guys who talk a lot, so we're not saying they don't talk a lot, but but um, guys generally spend more of their verbal time talking about the thing they're good at, the thing they're trying to accomplish, the thing they're trying to fix, you know, the thing they're doing. Uh, they don't talk as much to bond, and um, while they certainly can, they don't do it as much as girls do, and one of the reasons is the fact that on the right, girls have these word centers, but boys have have the spatial mechanicals visual graphics so um and we do want to say by the way that girls don't have those same centers on the right but they've got a lot of competition for space and activity because they also have verbal centers okay i just want to clar clear clarify that so boys are going to operate they're they're bonding so the emotive stuff that's happening in the middle of their brains in the limbic system the stuff that makes them love and bond and and uh grow together right form community together uh a lot of that's going to route through objects moving through space. And this is one of the reasons that guys are so entranced by football, by, by soccer, by basketball, by anything where a ball moves. Because, uh, and they bond through these things, right? Like, like your, own, your own son, uh, of course, fantasy football, a plug for fantasy footballers. That's a podcast, right? All bonding around football. And football is an object moving through space. <laughs> That's all it really is, is an object moving through space. But they form these massive communities to bond with each other. So, so those boys love each other. And this is the thing that I think our culture is, a key thing our culture is missing today. It does not understand that the way males bond may be different than the way females bond in many cases, may not be as verbally motive, may not be as much talking about feelings, but is just as useful, just as powerful, uh, just as emotional, and just as loving. And I think that this is a really great insight, particularly for moms, who, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, tend to bond more through verbal emotive uh, expression, talking, sharing feelings. And to understand that a great way to bond with her son is to do stuff with him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's like such a, such a great key. So any mom listening to this um, uh, or, or, or even a dad, you know, who's looking to bond. I mean, whoever you are, grandparent, the more you do things with these guys and bond through the doing, the more likely we are to, to for that bond to be special, for that bond to work. And for that bond to help the boy, you know, that attachment to help the boy. Because quite often we try to bond in ways that, that maybe we think are what we're supposed to do. And in our culture nowadays, that means verbally motive. 
and verbally motive from a brain-based point of view is words for feelings, right? We should have talk words for feelings. I should get my son to talk. Um, and so, so for instance, a mom will sit, will say to the son, come sit down, please come sit down and at the table and let's talk. Uh, and so she's looking right at him. He's looking right at her and she's not getting what she needs from him or what she wants from him. And, and, uh, uh, Maybe every once in a while she is, but quite often she's not. And then she feels that she's defective or that her son is defective. Uh, when in fact, it's just that the strategy, the approach is not the right approach. Uh, we need to do something with him so that his cerebellum is activated, his doing center, which then sends signaling throughout the brain. So the rest of his brain activates. We need to throw something with him, toss a Nerf ball back and forth, um, walk up and down the street with him. And when I do trainings for therapists and for anyone, you know, social workers, anyone who works with uh, obviously both males and females in an office, uh, one of the first things I'm trying to teach him is we got to change the way we do psychotherapy because um we're trying to get at the emotions and the memory centers, uh, the limbic system of males using words. And our approach is wrong for males. We, we say, come sit down, sit in this chair. And for 50 minutes, I'm going to say, what do you feel? <laughs> right. And we think that guys are going to perform as well as women are at that. And in fact, males, some males obviously do. I like therapy myself. I like to come in and talk for 50 minutes. But uh, in general, like right now, one out of 10 new uh, counselors is male. Nine out of 10 are female. So the therapy profession is very much a female profession. And we want more males to come in for therapy, but we're going to have to walk around with them and not have them sit as much. We're going to have to throw a ball back and forth. All strategies, which I've proven work well and others have proven, um, we got to use those strategies uh, if we respect the male brain and if we respect these guys and understand these guys, uh, these strategies and this theory works with them because it works with their brain rather than trying to say that their brain is defective uh, or my brain as a mom is defective because I can't get them to talk about feelings sitting across a table. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. We're in an interesting time in our culture where uh, right now uh, the current generation of children uh, some have labeled them iGen, 
uh, have been raised uh, with the primary value of safety uh, to keep them safe. Uh, they're they're staying at home longer than ever before. Uh, we're creating safe spaces now for them on college campuses. If if they ever feel unsafe uh, with an idea, uh, you, you know, it used to be we wanted to protect our kids physically, but now we're even trying to protect them from certain ideas. And yet what this DART story suggests is that part of the psyche of boys has to do, uh, their bonding has to do in some ways with risk-taking and even maybe a little bit of pain, not not mean bullying pain, but there sometimes there's some pain involved, and guys can bond over that. Yeah, yeah, and, and some of that is brain, and some of that is testosterone, just that chemical that's so dominant in males. And um, this, this testosterone, both male and female brain are, are formed in utero uh, by these hormonal surges, and of course, the signals for those hormonal surges come off the X and the Y chromosomes, and the that Y chromosome uh, is is sending signals into the the fetus uh, uh, to drop those testes at around four or five uh, weeks in utero, and as the testes are dropping, right, start shooting this testosterone through the male, and uh, so the XY kid. So there we go. And so for four or five months in utero, this testosterone is shooting through. And of course, girls get testosterone. We both have each other's hormones, but males are getting 10 to 20 times the amount of testosterone. And testosterone is a fight or flight chemical. It's an aggression chemical. Later, it will be a sex drive chemical when they're, uh, you know, after puberty, but it's a, it's an aggression chemical. And, um, it does create more aggressive bonding. And I, as you know, I call this aggression nurturance and, uh, males will tend to bond using more aggressive strategies, um, and that's healthy. It's fine. And we want to remember that aggression is not violence. And the DART story shows this very clearly. This is an aggression nurturance activity in which just as much love is transmitting, just as much emotional development is transmitting, just as much character development is transmitting as would transmit if, if a verbal emotive strategy was being used which is sit down here and talk to me about your feelings. Just as much is actually happening. And because males are so much driven by testosterone, they do tend to put up with more pain. And in fact, because of the testosterone flooding the system, um, the male brain and the male body have fewer uh, pressure receptors in the, in the skin, in the nerve fibers, and then fewer pain receptors in the brain. So males don't feel as much pain as females feel. Um, and, and sometimes this comes as a surprise to folks because in the pop culture, we've been told that, that women, uh, experience and are able to sustain, you know, um, through more pain than males. And that's because of childbirth, uh, and childbirth is, is an exceptional case. And, you know, there's nothing, how, who, what could be more painful than that? Obviously women are, 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 um, struggling through that pain very, very well, but that's only happening for a certain period of time. And the body biochemistry that, that the pregnant woman develops helps to protect against that pain. Uh, in general, outside of that, um, females are not experiencing as much pain. They're not putting themselves through as much physical pain unless they're self-mutilating, which is a specific brain disorder. But otherwise, in their daily lives, they are avoiding the kind of pain uh, and physical pain that males are putting each other through. Um, and males are putting each other through it. Uh, because in part because of testosterone, and they're growing from it. And so this is another great message for moms. Um, obviously, we, we, we never want to put a child in danger. Um, 
And so the guys themselves wear goggles, you know, uh, that's kind of an instinct. Don't want our child in danger. But what is the line for danger with these guys? And I would say the dart story to some moms, they'll say, that's dangerous. My boys shouldn't do that. And But I would say, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think there's an incredible amount of human development happening there. And, um, and I kind of believe, even though the guy's going to get hurt, someone's going to get hurt, no doubt, but I kind of believe that's okay. It's a good thing. And it's not violence. And so it's really important to say to people, aggression is not violence. And in Saving Our Sons, I lay this out in a whole chapter, all the science of this. Aggression, you try to control someone else. Yes, you try to uh, challenge them. Yes, that's aggression. But that's not trying to destroy them. Violence is trying to destroy someone else. Uh, and, and that's not what aggression nurturance is. That's not what this aggression is. This is really healthy aggression. Our website is wonderofparenting.com. And on that website are uh, some links where you can learn a little bit more about uh, Dr. Gurian. You can learn more about me. Uh, also, uh, there's a place for you to ask questions. And uh, in future podcasts, we would like to devote our entire podcast to your questions. That's why we're here, uh, to help you enjoy the wonder of parenting using brain science research and applying it to your sons and your daughters. Uh, you can also subscribe uh, to this podcast, and we hope that you will do. Uh, there'll be a link on our website, uh, wonderofparenting.com, or you can go to Apple Podcast or to Google Play. And if you'd be so kind, please write a review for us so that other people will know about this. And uh, we do believe that this is a fairly unique podcast for parents, and we hope you think that as well, and we'll continue to listen in and we'll subscribe. Uh, Michael, let's spend just a couple more minutes teasing out testosterone because it is such a major player in why boys are the way that they are. I like to call it the the fuel of superheroes uh, because testosterone, when it's used well, uh, when it's used within a good context of boundaries and it's empowered to do good things, can really change the world. And uh, it's it's sort of what fuels our boys to to want to change the world, to fix things, to put things back together. However, they do that. Uh, what are some of the the upsides of testosterone? Uh, and then for parents, what are some of the things that they need to be aware of uh, as their boys increasingly grow and testosterone uh, shapes them more and more? Yeah. Uh, well, the upside. Well, first of all, for parents to know, your boys are getting. Uh, five to seven surges, spikes of this um, hormone per day. Uh, and this is especially true, you know, as they hit nine, 10 pre-puberty and then move into puberty. So they're they're not just getting sort of a baseline of testosterone that's, that's higher than the female baseline, 10 to 20 times higher. They're also getting surges of it. So, um, you know, so they may like bounce around, <laughs> you know, they'll seem to be running up against the walls or, or they got to go out for a run or they got to go play some basketball or, you know, uh, or even when they're talking, they seem more aggressive at a certain moment. Well, um, uh, yeah, they're getting surges of this hormone through their bodies and it, it is an aggression, later a sex chemical, but, you know, baseline an aggression chemical. And what we've learned in the last 10 years or so is that the baseline for this chemical affects uh, male depression, for instance. And and um, we used to think, and again, things that come out of pop culture sometimes really just don't make brain sense, but people would say, and I still hear I'm saying it, people would say, well, this this person who, who just shot up that school uh, has testosterone poisoning, right? We've all heard mm-hmm. the phrase testosterone poisoning. And what people mean is, well, because... 
the person, because this guy's testosterone is so high and testosterone is an aggression chemical, that's why he kills people. Well, that's not correct. Um, it's kind of mythos. Uh, the, in fact, the guys who kill people who become violent uh, and who suffer from the disease of violence, which is a disease, who go shoot up a school or shoot up a mall, for instance, uh, these guys are uh, almost all of them, if not all of them, are on the depression spectrum. They're depressed. And um, depression in males can go in the flight direction, which is withdrawal and isolation from, from people. And it can also go in the fight direction, uh, which is violence. And, and so probably the myth came from that because, because guys, when they get depressed, uh, can withdraw and or become violent. And testosterone is the uh, fight or flight chemical. So you can kind of see where the myth came from. But in fact, the guys who are depressed, their testosterone level is low. It's not high. And in the last, uh, in most cases, and in the last uh, 20 to 30 years, our baseline testosterone level for males in the U.S. has gone down 30%. Uh, that's a huge drop, and it's one of the reasons that we have so much male depression now. And and we want to remember that that while publicly what we say is girls get more depression than boys, women get more depression than uh, men. Um, and while that is true of overt depression, so overt depression is the kind of depression where where I say I feel depressed, I need your help, I'm going to go to a therapist. I feel depressed. That's overt depression. Covert depression, which males tend to favor. Um, is depression that's hidden behind substance abuse or that's hidden behind other addictions, uh, that's hidden behind withdrawal uh, and is hidden behind violence. That that depression, which is covert depression, is predominated by guys. And um, there is a lot of it out there. And one of the reasons we have so much of it is that testosterone levels are too low and our cells are set up for a certain amount of testosterone and our, you know, we'll do this in another podcast, the environmental neurotoxins and a number of other factors are crashing our testosterone levels. Uh, so we're getting a lot of boys who are depressed. So testosterone is not the enemy. Testosterone, as you have said, when it is well used, which most boys are trying to do, they're trying to direct and self-regulate and use their testosterone well. Um, it is heroic. It does go save people in burning buildings. It also helps feed families. It builds structures. And and the beauty of it is it builds bonds. Um, all the research shows, I think we would all agree with this, that lack of fathering is uh, one of the primary crises of our time. And uh, as we study inner city communities that don't have fathers, we, we see a direct connection to violence rates, to incarceration rates, etc. Why? Well, because what the dad tends to give this, these sons, especially between 10 and 20, um, is direction for this testosterone. The dads help the sons at an inchoate, unconscious level, if not consciously, but at an inchoate, unconscious level, they help direct these guys so that over a period of years, these guys learn to use the testosterone for good. If these dads are not around, if these male role models are not around, these uh, boys are more likely to use it for bad. And... Um, I think we would all agree with that. And I'm just connecting it to the brain science. That's part of why fathers are so needed. They've got to direct this testosterone. You've written a book, uh, came out a couple of years ago now, called Saving Our Sons. Give us a little review of that book and what parents can expect when they read it. Yeah, Saving Our Sons um, 
I had not written a, a book on boys in, in since the purpose of boys, so in nine years, and I really wanted to catch up all the research, all the brain research, the nature, nurture, culture, all of that research. Uh, so if anyone knows my previous books, th this book is is new. In other words, new new research and catching up the research. And then at sort of very practical level, what I do in the book is I go into the male brain, help people understand it, how, how it works, how it develops. Um, uh, I go into male emotional intelligence, how it differs from female emotional intelligence, even though obviously there's overlap, but there, there it is different. I go into bi-strategic parenting, uh, the role of grandparents, you know, um, and all the extended family uh, teaching. So how, how schools can help boys and how a lot of schools without realizing it are actually hurting male development. Um, but the Green Institute has 20 years of helping schools. We have 100 trainers. So I bring a lot of that action research from there um, uh, with specific strategies. And then I get into the digital. Uh, so staging digital life to help parents to, and I know we'll do podcasts on this, um, to help parents figure out how much screen time is right for what age, when to give kids you know, when to give these guys their smartphone and a teaser is hopefully not till they're 13. Um, and then I also go into some of the politics of our time because our era has become a, a pretty anti-male era and it uh, really hurts our, our, our boys' development. And that's part of why you and I do the Helping Boys Thrive Summits together. Uh, and so I have some of that in Saving Our Sons as well. And the title Saving Our Sons it, it, it's real. I mean, I the first chapter lays out what is happening with our sons and the statistics and um, uh, the incarceration, the violence, the depression, the anxiety, uh, school failure. Uh, you know, our sons are in trouble. And so they really do need saving. So a couple takeaways for me from our last few podcasts, just as a way to summarize. Um, one of the things I found intriguing, I think it was in uh, one we did called Help, I'm a Parent or I'm a Parent Help. Uh, it, when you said that in talking with parents, what parents will often say is um, it was my daughter was harder to raise than my son. And I'm summarizing um, because she's so complex. But when it comes to culture, it's much harder on my son than it maybe it is on my daughter. And the second yeah. thing then is um, we talked with with when we talked about our, our daughters that when they're stressed, they tend to move to a tend and befriend model. They want to talk about it and verbalize it. But when our boys are stressed, they don't want to talk about it. They want to move. And those are two very different ways of responding. One's not better than the other. But as parents, we want to understand that when our daughters are stressed out, uh, we need to be available to talk and uh, help them think through what they're going through. And for our boys, uh, we need to be there for them, but we may need to give them space or we may need to just say, hey, let's go out for a walk. Uh, let's go shoot some baskets. Let's do something to let you release some of that energy, and then we can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are two two really good good summaries. Uh, yeah, I mean, any, any child can be complex to raise, no doubt, male or female. Any child can benefit from talking. Uh, but in a, general, in a general sense, I think you have captured kind of the zeitgeist of what's going on. So what we're going to do in our next podcast is we're going to do a series of podcasts uh, that will look at the differences between the way mom's parent and dad's parent. And uh, this will be based on brain science research. But we live in a culture right now uh, where we, as Michael's already said, we don't have as much father input as we used to have. And that's having a devastating impact not only on our families but on our culture. And at the same time, we tend to be living in a culture today that holds up the way that a mom parents as a gold standard 
because it doesn't really understand what it is that dads bring to the table. And uh, so we're going to spend some time on that. And you can subscribe to these podcasts by going to uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or to our website, uh, and it's wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And there'll be a link where you can subscribe uh, as well to this podcast. We hope you'll leave a review to let other people know about this podcast. And uh, if you've got questions that we can answer for you about anything to do with parenting, uh, please send us your questions and we'll make sure that we get at them in our future podcasts. Michael, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, Tim, thank you. And can I just, in closing, say something? Absolutely. It's your podcast. Yeah, (laughs) it's our podcast. But, you know, you just said something that I think is so important about gold standard. And and what people I think are going to find in our podcasts is – is that we are a both and we're both yes. and people that that people are not going to ever hear us say one brain is advantageous is better than the other we're going to always be finding the ways the assets of every way of doing things what are the assets in all the ways of doing things and we'll certainly point out dangers when we see them but like for instance with moms and dads we we have two gold standards right mom right. is a gold standard and dad is a gold standard and the extended family are gold standards and the schools can be gold standards. Um, that's we're really the social revolution we're looking for. I think is to try to get all of us to look at the brain uh, and the diversity of all of these brains and see the assets of each of them. Because it's not by creating one gold standard that we raise good kids. It's by seeing all the assets that are available. Would that would you say that summarizes what we're trying to well do? Well said, well said. Well, folks, we look forward to uh, being with you again in our next podcast. On behalf of Michael Gurry and I'm Tim Wright. Thank you for joining us for the Wonder of Parenting. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For hundred and thirty more, you'll be a swole member, and for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.